Welcome to the Relatively Damaged Podcast by Damaged Parents, where twisted, wrecked, smashed people come to learn maybe, just maybe, we're all a little bit damaged. Someone once told me it's safe to assume 50% of the people I meet are struggling and feel wounded in some way. I would venture to say it's closer to 100%. Every one of us is either currently struggling or has struggled with something that made us feel less than. Like we aren't good enough. We aren't capable. We are relatively damaged. And that's what we're here to talk about. In my ongoing investigation of the damaged self, I want to better understand how others view their own challenges. Maybe it's not so much about the damage. Maybe it's about our perception and how we deal with it. There is a deep commitment to becoming who we are meant to be. How do you do that? How do you find balance after a damaging experience? My hero is the damaged person. The one who faces seemingly insurmountable odds to come out on the other side whole. Those who stare directly into the face of adversity with unyielding persistence to discover their purpose. These are the people who inspire me to be more fully me. Not in spite of my trials, but because of them. Let's hear from another hero. Today's topic includes sensitive material which may not be appropriate for children. This podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended as advice. The opinions expressed here were strictly those of the person who gave them. Today, we're going to talk with Elliot Vang. He has many roles in his life. Father, son, husband, high performance coach, funny man, and more. We'll talk about how life can be a slippery slope when you start skipping school, being smart isn't what it's all about, and being genuinely yourself is important. Let's talk. Hey, Elliot. Welcome to Relatively Damaged. Hi, Angela. It's awesome. So awesome to be on your podcast, on your platform. I'm just honored to be on with you. So I appreciate the time that you're giving me to come and share about my story and my journey. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I was reading a little bit about you earlier and I was really struck by you were, let's see, your dad passed away when you were eight and your mom was severely limited in her reading. Yes. What was that like? Uh, Very challenging. (laughs) (laughs) I chuckle because like growing up at that point, right, when, when all of that happened, I thought, that I was smarter than my mom. I knew more than my mom. I was more educated than her. And so I was like, okay, I know better than her. She doesn't know as much as I do, right, at that point. And then later on, looking back, I was like, yeah, she may not have, be as, may not have been as educated as I was, may not have known the English language as much as I did, but she has so much wisdom. Right? She has so many years of life experiences that she can offer me, right? This is this wasn't until I got a little bit older and 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 looking back and, and seeing that. So but growing up without a dad was a, a real struggle. Like it was challenging and it was hard. Now as a male, I think that would be really hard. And but you also had older brothers and sisters. There were a lot of you. How many were there? Nine? Eight? So there were nine of us. <laughs> yeah, nine. there were nine total. <laughs> But the two older ones passed away when they were young from malnutrition, right? They, they were born in Laos. They passed away at a very young age. I never got to meet them, but I still like to say that there were nine of us. 
Of course, they were part of mm-hmm. your family. Yeah. So you were, which, what number were you? You were number... Number six. Number six. So number six, I'm, I'm thinking that there were not five girls in front of you, that there's got to be a male in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the two older ones are my two older brothers who passed away. And then the three that are right older than me, um, I have two older brothers and an older sister. Okay. So there's still two older brothers and a sister. Yep. Okay. And then you've got some younger than you. Yes. I have uh, two younger sisters and a younger brother. Nice. Now, those older brothers, did they pick up some of those fatherly roles? My oldest brother did. Yes. He, well, not not necessarily for me, but for the family, right? Because like a little bit, my dad was the breadwinner. My mom was the homemaker. She didn't know the language well. She wasn't working. So my older brother took it upon himself to go get a job and have money coming in, income coming into the family. But that was hard, right? He was, I was eight, the one, my brother who was just older than me was 10. And then the oldest brother was 14, right? So even then he had to wait two years before he could go get a job. So it was a real struggle and real challenge. And we grew up poor and we were in poverty and there were seven of us that lived right? The six, I'm sorry, the seven kids plus my mom, mm-hmm. right? So there are eight of us total. We lived in a three bedroom place, right? So we all kind of just fit in where we could kind of thing. So <laughs> it was a struggle. And were you already all in the States at that point? Yes. So we already, we already been in the States. This was probably about 10 years, roughly 10 years of uh, my family moving to the States. Okay. You know, it was my mom, my dad, my two other brothers and my sister, my oldest sister, they moved to the States. And then that's when my mom and dad had me and my three younger siblings. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so your brother's 14 when dad passes away yeah. and you guys are immigrants. Were yeah. there family? Did you, I mean, I'm assuming there's no other family around neighbors who, how, how did you guys do that? <laughs> yeah. I look like, <laughs> I don't know, right? Because I was eight. And yeah. when you're eight, you don't know anything. Right? You no. just go with the flow and whatever happens, happens. And yes, luckily there was family that was near, right? I had my uncle, who's my dad's brother. He didn't live too far from us. My grandma, who was my dad's mom. Mm-hmm. And my aunt, they lived, They didn't live too far from us either. So that helped with the babysitting and the grieving of the loss. But it was a tragic car accident, right? So it happened. Nobody expected it. It was sudden when it happened. My mom wasn't even able to get to the hospital to get to talk to him, have any last words, right? It just happened so fast. And me as a little kid, as an eight-year-old, I was like, oh, what happened? I don't know what happened. Oh, my dad passed away. Oh, my dad is not coming back, right? But it didn't hit me like, this is it. I'm not going to see my dad anymore. I'm not going to be able to talk to him. I'm not going to have any stories of him. I have very little uh, stories that I remember of my dad right so that was a struggle as well and you know luckily that there were families that lived near us that did have we did have that support but even for me I still didn't have that male role model around me I didn't have someone and I can look to to say oh that's how I'm supposed to treat women oh that's how I'm supposed to treat my wife oh that's how I'm supposed to be as a father right I didn't get to learn any of that stuff so even though uncle was around, he wasn't able to come in and take on that 
that fatherly role yeah, that you no, needed. He he, he did in some parts, right? But then the, the things that I needed as like when I got older, when I got married and had kids, I didn't have anybody to model that after. It was a trial by error kind of thing. And it's kind of learn from my own mistakes and mm-hmm. my own, maybe from TV even maybe, right? So just kind of seeing stuff that's going around. But, you know, I didn't have that role model to model how I was going to be when I was in that role. Do you think that made it harder in elementary school and high, junior high and high school uh, growing up without that father figure? Like, did it very, impact that? Yeah, very much so. Very much so. Because my mom held us close to her chest, right? Mm-hmm. She didn't, I would say, hey, mom, I'm going to stay at the school because we're going to walk to my friend's house after school and hang out, right? Elementary. No, you can't. You need to go to school, come straight home. Well, all my friends are going, why can't I go? I'll just go and then you'll come pick me up. No, 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 you can't go. You need to go to school, come straight home, right? That kind of thing. And I was like, here, struggling with that. Why are my friends getting to go hang out at somebody's house? And here, I want to do that, but I'm not able to. And even staying after school and participating in extracurricular activities, no, go to school, come back, go to school, come back. But I want to be able to play this sport or I want to stay at the school and be a part of this activity, this club. Cause my mom held us very close because one later on, right. I asked her, I was like, mom, how come you never got remarried? You're young, you're beautiful. You had that chance or opportunity. She just said, she's heard of horror stories of integrating families like that. Cause she had seven kids bringing in a stepdad and not knowing how he's going to treat the kids or how the kids will react to him. So she didn't even want to test that out. She just said, no, I decided I wasn't going to do that because I didn't want to put my kids through it. I just wanted to be able to raise my kids on my own and do the best that I can. And she did, or she did a phenomenal job. We, like I said, we grew up poor, we grew up in poverty, single mom, second grade reading level, but still able to put six of her seven kids through school, get their college degree. I mean, this looking back at that, I was like, that's phenomenal. Right? I was like, my mom is my hero when I look back at it, like, how does she even do that? You know, here yeah. I am with two of my kids and I'm struggling <laughs> and she has seven. And I'm like, ah, so. <laughs> yeah, there's the real panic of having kids, right? Correct. It's hard. Yeah. Yes. Because <laughs> there's no manual for it. So. <laughs> no, don't you wish there was though? Oh, page 36 says I need to do X, Y, and Z done. But that's the great thing about human beings. There's, there can't be a manual because we're all so unique and different in our own ways. Because even my two kids, I, both of them, I try to raise the same way, but they both react differently to mm-hmm. each situation, certain situations. One, one way that I use for my son doesn't, doesn't work for my daughter or vice versa. And so just having that manual, you, you'll probably drive yourself even more crazy. But, but page 36 says to do this and I'm doing it and it's not turning out the way I wanted to. Yes, because each individual is unique and and different in their own way. Yeah. Isn't it? That's so true. I also have two, I have two girls, so I understand they are, and they are, they're very different. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) And you're raised in the same way, right? You know, at one point, no, I don't think so. Oh, okay. Okay. (laughs) I don't know how old your kids are. (laughs) Mine are 10 and 12. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I, I can't. 
they're just so mine are so very different that Mm -hmm. one of them is certain she knows what the rules should be and need to be and the other one is just a lot more quiet the oldest will tell me how it needs to be and she's very good at trying to parent the younger one and she doesn't understand because she's got so much push on why the consequences are different and she gets really angry about it and it's like i can't have a conversation with you you've (laughs) got to go cool down and the youngest doesn't have to cool down yeah you know so i i hear what you're saying um okay i've got to ask Uh rebellion because you had a mom that held you close what did you do to rebel i'm thinking it happened (laughs) (laughs) oh totally totally (laughs) and at times I was ashamed to tell this story, right? I was like, oh my gosh, like, I'm so ashamed. My mom held me tight and close and all of her kids because I was a pretty good student, but things, schooling came to me easy, right? And I kind of took advantage of that. I didn't give my best effort all the time. So seventh grade, eighth grade, like A on a row, B on a row, I was like, oh, okay. This is all I need to do to kind of get on the honor roll. I could do that, right? Yeah. Ninth grade, tenth grade, still same kind of same thing. A honor roll, B honor roll. I was like, oh, okay, I'm kind of getting the hang of this. Eleventh grade, first semester, awesome, like still on track to graduate and stuff. Middle of eleventh grade year, I got my license. Started driving to school. One day, I got to school, went to have breakfast. A couple of my friends are like. Hey, it's beginning of semester. I don't have anything going on today. Let's just skip school today. I looked at my schedule, said, yeah, no, I don't have anything going on. Sure. Let's go and do that. Right. Did that one day. Following day, same thing. Breakfast. We don't have anything going on. Let to a day, to a week, to a month. And then I skipped my whole second semester. I'd be loved grade. Not going to school driving because i had a car i was like oh yeah i'm cool i have a car friends are here and i said because like i said school came to easy me i was like towards the end of the semester i'll just kind of come back make up work and just breeze by and pass so the story you told yourself was i'm good at school i can skip all this time and i'll just pass at the end yeah okay what happened at the end i never came back Mm. but here I was, I was in panic mode because I was like, oh my gosh, my mom's going to find out. I haven't been she going didn't, to school. Hold on, hold she on, didn't hold on. She didn't, yeah, she how didn't did know. she not know? She didn't know. She didn't know because they will get calls home and my mom wouldn't understand it, right? My mom wouldn't know because I knew that. I was like, yeah, my mom's not going to understand that. Oh um, man. And even I was trying to like outsmart her by saying, I'm going to go wait for the mail, get my report card because then we still got report cards in the mail. It wasn't electronic yet. And I was like, okay, I'll go catch the mail. My mom won't see my grades and I'll just keep my report card. So that like mid quarter or like mid semester, right? I was able to do that. I got a report card. I said, okay, ooh, wipe the sweat off my, my forehead. Like, yes, my mom didn't see my report card. I can still continue with what I'm doing. Right. And in the school year, I'm like, oh my gosh, I never went back. I got to be able to go catch my report card, make sure my mom doesn't get it. I, I kind of know when it's going to get here, you know, a week or so after school ends. And here I was every day waiting for the mail, waiting for the mail. Never came. I was like, oh, my gosh. Guess what happens? The one day I don't check. The one day I don't beat my mom to the mailbox. She gets it, opens it up, 
and was like, what are all these marks? Like it was N, 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 N. I was like, uh, I didn't have an answer, right? Here was this stressed out, anxiety level high. And I was like, mom, like asking for forgiveness. They say, okay, this is my fault. You know, I'll go to summer school. I'll make up for it. Get my credits back, all of that. So tell me this, when you're panicking, like before you keep going, but is your heart pounding? Are you sweating? Are you like, is your mind racing? Like what's happening inside of you in that moment? Totally. All of that, right? In panic mode, sweating, pacing, like, oh my God, I couldn't sit still. I was like walking back and forth. And as soon as I saw that, I knew that my mom got a report. I was even, it was even worse. Like I was like, oh my gosh, this is it. I don't even know what's going to happen now. Yeah. And thinking the worst things that were going to happen to me. Right? My mom's going to lecture me. She's going to do all of this to me. And I was like, okay, I don't have an answer for her. I don't know what to tell her, except I'll make it up, make it up. Right? So, so did you feel like sh- you disappointed her on a level that you never realized you could? Like Yes, totally. Disappointed herself, I mean, disappointed her, disappointed me. This point of my older brother, because he was the one that was like, okay, I'll let you drive to school. You know, you could drive to school. Cause I was like, I didn't want to wait for the bus here. Like I said, you know, here it was cold here in Minnesota. I was like, I don't want to wait for the bus. What if the bus doesn't come? It's late. All of that. Can I just drive to school and I have my own car? And then when I'm done, I just come back home. Right. And they were like, sure, go for it. So you had basically made all these promises Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to say, it seems like you kind of took advantage of the generosity. Totally, now, totally. Yeah, now you're in this place where you've got this tremendous, you said earlier, you felt ashamed. It mm-hmm. sounds like a little guilty too. And More ashamed, right? Because I said, I mentioned earlier, school came to me easy. So they're like, why, why not? what's so hard about you just going to school and do your schoolwork and get your grades and all of that. Take care mm-hmm. of that. Because school came easy to me. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know what it came. One day led to the next, a day led to a week, a week led to a month, and then a month led to the whole semester, right? And then, like I mentioned earlier, I was ashamed to tell this story. Yeah. I I wasn't. So you um, felt like you were wrong. You were, you were the mistake, not that you made a mistake. Yes. I, yeah, it wasn't, it came to me as, oh, not that I'm a, uh, I'm a bad person. I, not that I made that bad choice yet. I am a bad person, right? I am the one who is not good, right? Mm. It wasn't the choices that I made. I didn't, it didn't hit me at that time that, oh no, I am a good person who just made bad choices. Right. At the time, it was like, no, I'm a horrible person. I'm bad. I can't make up my own mind, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of blaming the circumstances and blaming myself instead of blaming just putting it on, oh, that is what happened. And that's it. Well, and mom held you so close, so close. And it's almost like you had to somehow declare your independence. And I'm not sure is that that just maybe that was the way you did it. I'm thinking. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Because I never correlated that with, I mean, my rebellion with like, oh, that piece. Uh-huh. But I am so super grateful that she did help me hold me close because one or two choices bad other bad choices i could have gone into a gang be locked up doing drugs like all of that right that's how close i was because we grew up in the projects and poor and in poverty and one or two other choices bad choices that i would have made would have led me down that road 
which so, I didn't, right? So I'm grateful for that. Right. And so knowing that you were loved, mm-hmm. maybe this is the worst choice that you made was skipping a semester of high school. And what, it wasn't just a semester. It led oh, to dear. grade as well. Oh, dear. <laughs> That was only the beginning, okay? <laughs> so see, sometimes we just don't stop making mistakes, right? We make no. them all the time, but so it kept going. Tell me it about did. that. <laughs> wait, because so, I went to summer. Go ahead. Wait, hold on. Now I'm confused. Okay, so you stopped. You got caught in eleventh grade, though. Yeah. At the end of eleventh yes. grade. Yes. Okay, so just I just wanted to be clear. So yeah. you know, you knew. <laughs> Okay, now go on with your story. I'm enjoying this. (laughs) (laughs) So then summer school made up credits, right? So that kind of made up a little bit for that second semester of 11th grade. I was playing sports at that time. I played soccer, which was in the fall season. So in order for me to play or participate in practice and games, I would have to go to school at least half the day. I had to be there at least half the day. Right. So starting 12th grade, I was skipping some still, but attending most of the classes. Cause I knew I was like, Oh, I, I had um, such a love for the sport. I was like, I need to go. Cause I want to play. This is my last year. I won't be able to play anymore. So fall semester of 12th grade was decent. It wasn't my best. I didn't put on my best effort, but I was like, I knew I, what I needed to do to enable to participate in sports, which I did. And then right after the season ended, back to where I was and skipping classes. I was driving again by then because I was driving. I needed to drive to go to stay after from practice, not have somebody come pick me up. I could drive myself home from school. Right. Mm-hmm. So I was driving again. And then and me and the, the group of friends that I was around again started skipping school. One day led to the next. And pick up in those ha- bad habits of second semester, lunch grade all over again. Mm-hmm. So then... For the whole rest of 12th grade year, I didn't go to school as well, right? I kept skipping, kept skipping, kept skipping. And then again, it was, oh my gosh, I'm such a bad person. Why am I making these choices? Why am I doing this to myself, right? Mm-hmm. I'm no good. All of that yeah. started coming up. Yeah. That must have been hard. It was hard. And at, maybe at that time, right, I, I knew what I was doing and mm-hmm. I knew the situation I was getting myself into, but I just didn't know how to get out of it and didn't know how to ask for help or ask for support. Um, So I just kept going. I was like, okay, I'm just going to keep doing this because I don't know how to get out of it. I don't know how to get myself out of this situation. Like you felt so buried in everything that you had loss of all hope. Yes. Right. Like people say, going down a rabbit hole. Yes. I went down a rabbit hole and there's no way of, of me getting out. I didn't you couldn't know how find the ladder and you couldn't no. call up for the rope to get thrown down. And I didn't want to, right? At that time, I was like, I don't need to ask for help. I'm going to do this all on my own. Mm, that sounds, like, yeah, that sounds really lonely. Yes, but I wasn't lonely. I was lonely to my, by myself. But when I was with my group of friends, I didn't feel lonely. I was like, okay, I'm not alone in this. I have others who are on this journey with me. So I didn't feel alone when I was with them. But I felt alone when I was by myself. I was alone when I saw my senior class graduating together, and I wasn't able to participate with that. I bet there was a, a hole in your stomach or just a real sadness 
Yes, very much so. Even to this day, I still have that little piece of me that's missing. It's like, I wasn't able to graduate with my class. Mm-hmm. I wasn't able to graduate with those group of people that mm-hmm. I went to school with, 9th, 10th, 11th grade that I knew. Mm-hmm. But I was, and I'm, I was, I'm still missing that piece, right? So. Yeah, it's hard to look back at lost hope, or not lost hope. That's not the right word. It's hard to look back at loss and not still have that twinge at least because Mm -hmm. it is a loss and it never stops being a loss. Yes. How would you say that feeling though propels you? So you're at this point, you're missing graduation, you're feeling that sense of loss. What next? What happens next? When, how do you make your next choice? It wasn't until... I was getting close to, I was at 20, right? And I just didn't finish high school um, and didn't get my diploma. And if I turned 21, then I wasn't able to get my diploma anymore. And it was going to be, go get your GED and all of that, right? Because once I hit 21, I'm an adult or, you know, adult school kind of thing. So I was like, okay, I have to make this last push because I don't want to go get a GED. I don't want to go to adult night school. I want to be able to get my high school diploma. So I put in that last push and that last charge to say, okay, I'm going to finish high school because I want to get my high school diploma. How much do you think that feeling? So how much do you think that feeling you felt when you were watching your friends drove you to complete or take those next steps? Or was it more the potential loss of not being able to have a high school diploma? It was more the loss of not having a high school diploma. Okay. When I was seeing my friends graduating, that was more self-pity. I was putting myself through this pity party of like, oh my gosh, again, horrible person. Why am I doing this? I can't believe I'm no good. All of that was coming up. It was the the push that really pushed me to get my high school diploma was, oh, it went, if I age out, then I have to go to night school or get my GED. Right. I'm just trying to understand. So bear with me as I'm sure um, totally as I process that. So when you were watching the graduation, it was still very much shame. I'm mm-hmm. bad, sick, bad and wrong. I'm a horrible mm-hmm. human. And mm-hmm. what really propelled you was in some ways, maybe it was, well, no, this is what you said that you wanted your high school diploma so bad and you didn't want the GED. So then it, it was time to get to business. Yes. Yes. And I knew I could get it done because like I said earlier, school came pretty easy to me. Like I I was able to get through all subjects and then wasn't struggling with one particular subject or the other. I was able to get through my schoolwork. Yeah. And so how about the people you surrounded yourself with after that? Because you had those friends that that you were skipping school with. I'm not sure what happened to them, but you're in a, you're in school trying to get your diploma. Did you surround yourself with different types of people or what happened there? This is when I, I was, re- I was more independent. I was on my own because I knew I needed to do this for myself and I needed, wasn't sure of who to surround myself with. It was my family at that time. At that time I was with my then girlfriend, now wife, she was the one who was kind of pushing me as well, saying, things come to you so easily. Why are you making this so hard on yourself? 
just go and do the work and get it over with, right? That, <laughs> that was her message to me, basically, because she's like, it's so easy for you. If I had what you had, I would go to school and get things done and, like, make it easy. But here I was making uh, things difficult for myself and hard for me. Mm-hmm. Sounds like you you found people who were able to call you on it a little bit, right? If you want to share your relatively damaged story of struggle and how you found hope, visit us at damagedparents.com and complete the contact form. Sounds like you you found people who were able to call you on it a little bit, right? Yes. <laughs> You're like, hold on, I see your capacity. What's up? Yeah, one one piece that I left out when I started all of the skipping school and stuff was, you know, I was in these classes, these college level classes, challenging classes, and a group of friends that I was around were not in that class with me, right? So even when I was in there, I was like, oh my gosh, I feel alone in a way because of my friends, my close friends weren't in their class, in those classes with me. So then oh. that was another piece where I was like, okay, if I could just be with them more and do things with them more, then we could build that connection. So that was another piece that led me to saying, okay, I'll just kind of skip school here. And those were challenging classes. You, you I think that, that was the word you just used was challenging. Yeah. So I'm going to make the assumption that when you were there, it was hard. And if you're already mm-hmm. feeling alone in the class and it's hard and you can't depend on other people. I mean, you couldn't go to your close friends and say, I need help. You had to go to someone maybe you didn't know, maybe is a little more uncomfortable. Do you think that might've had some impact on what you chose to do? Yeah. Yes, it did. Because a lot of those students that I was in class with, they lived nearby. They walked to school. They were able to stay after and do that, right? Oh, like work with the teachers? Yeah. The friends that I lived with that were close to me, we took the bus. We lived further away from school. We weren't able to stay after and walk home kind of thing, right? So that did play a role in it, a part in it. I wouldn't have thought of that until I just asked. (laughs) (laughs) But it made, it it just kind of hit me that that was a possibility. That even when you have scholastic intelligence, that that you can still have that alone feeling in those classes. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm because of that alone feeling, maybe make, making different choices. Mm-hmm. So that's a new aha for me. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> <Okay>. that. <laughs> I always thought the smart kids, they had it because they could go to school. They could get the scholarships. They could do this. They could do that. I really hadn't, you know, which is a bias of my own, right? I never really thought of it from the other perspective, though, that it could be a, to a detriment sometimes. Yeah. And also another piece was those other students that I was in class with didn't look like me, right? And then I didn't, I I felt, I didn't want to feel inadequate by asking a question if I didn't know something. So I said, okay. And I didn't want to stand out that way. And for me, when I was younger, a lot of stuff that I was told was like, hey, just fake it until you make it. Right? So that's what I was doing at that time. I was faking it. And if I didn't know something, I didn't ask. Like I said earlier, I didn't want to ask for help. And I didn't want to seem any less knowledgeable or less smart than the other students that were in class. Because one, I already stood out. 
mm-hmm. by the way I look, right? And then I don't want to stand out again by saying, oh, I don't know that. I struggle with that concept or that theory, right? Can I get some help here? So that was another piece too. And I was like, oh, that's, that was hard for me. Okay, question. When you were in cla- those classes, oh, okay. Were, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I don't, I, this just really intrigues me. <laughs> when you were in those classes, were you called, like, the, did the teachers call you to the front of the room and you'd have to, for instance, solve a problem? And if you get it wrong, it's back to your seat and the next person comes up and tries to solve it? Um, a little just, bit of that. It wasn't, okay. yeah, there's some, there was a little bit of that. But that was easy for me, especially like that math, right? Math really came super easy to me. Like math, I understood the concepts. You know, if I didn't know something, I could look at a problem and have the teacher go through the example and I'll get it. Because mm-hmm. math is either, it's black and white, right? You either get the answer right or wrong. Because you right. kind of work your way backwards and kind of say, oh, I made a mistake here. I missed a sign here, a number here kind of thing. So math was, math came pretty easy to me. It was more so, the reading and the writing piece, mm. right? I was in these challenging courses and classes. And if I didn't, I read a word or I didn't understand a definition, then I just kind of pretended like I knew it and just kept moving on instead of, can you elaborate or can you expand on this? Or can you define this in different words for me so I can understand that piece? That was what was uh, more of a struggle for me to comprehend and, and ask for help there. I think it's that sounds like a struggle that's hard for a lot of people to to say hey can you elaborate or yeah. I don't understand I don't I'm not totally certain why <laughs> we yeah. don't yeah. but a lot of people don't say wait hold on I'm not certain I'm getting this let's try again and I I wish more people would know that it's just a mm-hmm. process totally Nobody, we don't, we're complex. I -hmm. don't know. I know the answers for me. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know the answers for you. And, and even after talking with you for a long period of time, I still won't know the answers for you. Mm -hmm. Even if I had been your mom or your siblings, I'm still not going to know. So do you think, how would it be different? How do you think it might've been different? Had you been born in a different culture or with money, mm-hmm. or maybe if dad had been around, how do you think that would have made it different? I think it would have been a lot different, right? Just being able to have my dad there and having a uh, male role model mm-hmm. to say, hey, it's okay to ask for help, or it's better for you to ask for help than struggling it or going through it on your own. Mm-hmm. Right? I didn't have anybody that was telling me that when I was growing up. So now I look back at it. I was like, I want to be able to give that to my son mm-hmm. and my daughter and let them know you're not going to know everything. You're right. It's okay to ask for help. Are you going to struggle on this for the next five hours? Or if you don't understand something, yes, dad would say, try it first. And then let's find some resources or find other ways for you to ask for help. Right. Cause we didn't just want to, you know, I've been, t- I want to tell my kids, I don't want you to ask for help right away. Because I want you to try, especially schoolwork, try it. If you don't get it, then you can ask for help, right? Because I want you to be able to work through Because sometimes you work through it on your own, like, oh, I, I saw what I did there. And you just go back and fix it, right? So, yeah, yes, you know, having my dad around would have been a big plus, right? He would have been there to help model things for me and 
walk me through stuff and guide me through education. Because my dad was more educated, went through schooling, right? So he knew the language and uh, would have been able to help in that aspect and that piece there. So when you're working with your with the kids and you tell them, try and figure it out first, mm-hmm. and, and then they don't, and then they come to you, is it more of a collaboration or how do you help them so that they learn that it's a team or a community and not a independent task? Yeah. So when they come to me and they would come looking for answers, I won't give them the answers. <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm not Google. I'm not here to give you answers. I'm going to guide you to find the answers, right? Because I want you to figure it out on your own and have that aha moment for yourself. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to come and ask me, dad, what is one plus one? And I just tell you it's two, right? And say, no, I'll work with you to find out different strategies to help you find out the answer. Yeah. And, and- do they get mad at you? At first they do. Can you just do me an answer? I was like, no, I'm not here to give you the answers, right? I'm here to help guide you to find the answers. And we approach it from that way. Mm-hmm. And I love to use, because I grew up playing sports and, and I love sports, right? So I knew sports analogies with them about, hey, we're on the same team. We're trying to accomplish the same goal. We're going to work together here, Right. Your teacher's the same way, right? Your your teacher's on your team. Because sometimes they get frustrated with teachers. Like, oh my gosh, this teacher did this and did that. I understand. It's like, wouldn't just ask your teacher to help explain it, right? Go and see your teacher for help. Ask your teacher for this. Because if you don't ask for something, they're not going to know what you want or you need. They can't read your mind. We're not mind readers here. They're not going to read your mind like, oh, Elliot needs this or he needs that. No. In order for you to get what you want, you're going to have to express it and yeah. say it out loud. Yeah. yeah. And you said what, they're 10 and 12? 10 and 12. Yep. So fifth grader and a seventh grader. Okay. So they're, they're learning. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a hard age. Especially seventh grader, right? Cause now classes are getting a little more challenging and homework's a little more extensive. It's not a quick one worksheet kind of type deal anymore. It's like a two, three, four step process kind of thing. Right. Are they different classes in seventh grade where you guys are at? I don't, I'm not sure how they. Yes. So fifth grade is still elementary here and in seventh grade is middle school. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was, and that the oldest is the, your. My son. Son. Yeah. Okay. And he loves sports too. Like you do. He does. Yes. Soccer also, or. Uh, He likes, he likes all, he's played all kinds like soccer, football, basketball. Yeah. Baseball. He likes them all. Nice. And that's good, right? I was like, hey, just keep trying all of these other ones. See mm-hmm. which one that you like really sticks out for you. And then we could get more zeroed in on one or two as you get older. Nice. Okay. So back to graduating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't sure. want to leave that. I don't want to leave <laughs> okay. your journey unfinished. <laughs> when you finally graduated, what was that what did that feel like? You had had all these challenges along the way. Mm-hmm. You worked really hard to get there. And finally, you're graduating. Yeah, it was very satisfying because then I was able to walk on stage, do the whole gown and diploma thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was able to have my mom there, right? And with my siblings as well. And then have that moment of celebration so it was 
satisfying. And I was like, oh, I can do this, right? Telling myself that at that moment then. Did you feel like you redeemed yourself then at that point? Did you feel like you needed to in the first place? And then when you got there, did you feel like you had accomplished that? And yes, I did need to redeem myself. And it was somewhat of a redemption, but it was also the piece of, you didn't have to struggle all those years. You could have done this X number of years ago, right? You could have done this already. You did this to yourself, kind of thing. So there was some redemption in there. And there was also pieces that people were telling me, you did this to yourself. You, you made this difficult on yourself. So it sounds like there's this huge success that's overshadowed still by some pain yeah. and, and suffering. Yeah, yeah, there was. There was still a pain and suffering there. That's hard. Because I was hearing it, I was hearing it from my loved ones, right? The people who were closest to me, and they were telling me at that time. Ouch. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Because to me, that's a huge success, and you did your best. You and know? that's why when I first shared, I was like, I was shameful of telling this story mm-hmm. previously. But now yeah. I'm like, nope, this is my story. I'm owning it, okay? And I'm out there to share it with whoever. And if it resonates with you, great. Because here I am telling people, I was like, okay. This was who I was at that moment, but it's not going to define who I am now or who I'm going to be in the future, right? So I was like, now I can tell the story with no shame, no, none of that anymore. Because I'm like, it's my story and I own it. Do you think you could say that you are never those choices? You just made them? Do you think you can get to that point where it's okay that you made those choices? I mean, maybe that's why you're able to share that now because you're able to acknowledge that shame and the suffering and the pain that you felt because you're owning it. Totally. And before, right before I I was telling myself, okay, I'm not smart. I'm not intelligent. That's why I didn't do it. That's why I didn't finish school. But now it's like, no, I'm smart. I'm intelligent. I'm know what I need to do. But yes, at that moment, those times I just made bad choices, right? Mm -hmm. Making those bad choices doesn't make me, any less of a person or any less educated or any less smart, right? Because now those are the stories I want to pass on to my kids, right? Just because you made a bad choice doesn't mean you're a bad person. Yeah. You made one bad choice and you own it and learn from it. Mm -hmm. Now, don't continue to make that same mistake because then now you're not being smart about it because you're not learning from that mistake, right? So, you can make mistakes, just learn from them. Or at least do your best, right? Yeah, yes, <laughs> yes. Because doesn't it take a while to change or how long is it? I, I know you're a coach, so how a life coach, right? So so to effect real change, it takes time. Totally. Right? It, and, it, and I tell people, this is a lifelong journey, right? We're going to continue to be a hot mess. We're going to continue <laughs> to not have things go the right way but what are those things that we have in place so that we can recognize it quicker and not get down in that depot that I explained about or talked about earlier right Mm -hmm. and have that support so that you can lean on people because we're human beings we're such social creatures we need to surround ourselves with people we need to be around people we need to talk with people now who is that support team you have that support group that you can lean on when you're struggling when you are having those days where things just aren't going well right and not that's and then telling yourself just because things don't go well that day doesn't mean any more any less than whatever is happening at that moment 
So how do you figure out the, t- the people that you want on your support team? I'm going to call it a team just because that seems like fun to me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because I think it takes a village, not just to raise children, because that's one of those great sayings out there, but it takes a village to be a human. So how do you find safe people? Or how would you yeah. tell people to find safe people? Yeah, that's that's a tough one, right? Because you can, you have to make those connections with people and try to find a, a connection on a deeper level, right? Not this superficial level of like, oh, Angela, how are you doing? How are the kids? No, let's, we got to go, let's dig a little deeper about, Angela, what are your passions? What are your dreams, right? What is it that you see yourself doing? And if I see like, oh, I totally resonate with Angela's dreams, Angela's passions. She is someone I feel like I could connect with. She is someone that I want to learn more about, right? Just having that curiosity mindset of like, I'm going to learn about Angela because Mm -hmm. if what she is dreaming about and what she wants to do, if it aligns with who I want to be, I'm going to totally connect with her because then now we're going to build on this relationship. And now I have Angela who's going down this dream, this goal that I can lean on when I'm struggling as well. Right. Like, oh, Angela, I'm gonna call you up and say, I'm struggling with this. You know, can, can you just help me walk me through this? And then we share the same dreams, right? Similar dreams. And you'll just walk me through it. I'm like, Oh, thank you. I needed that so much. So it takes a little bit of time to build that up and to get into to build your team, right? Your group of people that are around you to support you. And when people are trying to find their that group or that team, Usually it's not actually usually a lot of times people come and tell me, it's like, but my sibling owners are telling me that I can't do it. My husband or my wife, my spouse is telling me I'm wasting my time with them, with that. Right. And, and then I just kind of, Hey, how much do you believe in yourself? Right. In mm-hmm. your dream, in your passion, if you totally believe in it, you're going to have to distance yourself and t- say, Hey, when I'm around my family, I can't talk about my dream and my goals and I'm okay with that but I'm going to build this other group my team so that I can lean on them so that I can have somebody to talk to right if you can't talk to your family about it you could go and find somebody else to share that dream or a similar path a similar journey there's somebody out there there's a group of people out there that have the same journey or similar dream or goal that you have that you can lean on I think that's really important to, to, for people to know. Yes. Surround yourself and know who you can talk to about things and who you can't. That's huge for people. I think it took me a lot of years. That's I was going to say that too. It took me a while to learn that. Right. Cause here I was, I wanted my family to share this dream and this goal with me, but some of them just weren't about that. And here I was trying to like, fit in this square peg into this round hole, but it just wouldn't fit. Right. And I had to like, tell myself and say, okay, I can't just say I'm going to X my family out of my life because that's my family. I value family and I want to be around them. But it's okay to say, I don't necessarily need to have a conversation around them with my family about my goals and my dreams all the time. Right. If they're not about that, I can't just try to keep feeding them that info. So I had to go and find my tribe, my team, my group, my 
community that I can lean on to say, hey, you know, I'm struggling with this, this, and this. Right. Oh, yeah, I, I was struggled and had that challenge or a similar challenge. Let's walk through it. Let's talk through it. So then yeah. I, I was able to have somebody to lean on for that. And it's okay that your family can't yeah. be that person or those Correct. people. It's mm-hmm. okay. I think a lot yes. of times, at least uh, for me, I would get stuck in that they needed to because they were yeah. my family, right? Yes. They're my family. Yes. They have to support yeah. me. Correct. Not true. Like, yeah. That was just something I told a story I told myself and I believed it for however long I believed it. Right. So tell me you graduated high school. How did you end up in coaching? Cause I mean, I think it says it took you 40 years to find your balance after your struggle. (laughs) (laughs) And that's another thing too, right? Because here growing up, it's like, Oh, your twenties, you're supposed to graduate college, your thirties, your career, your 11 and forties, you're working towards your retirement and, you know, it's like, that's not me at all, <laughs> right? <laughs> so finished high school, uh, went to college, right? Was able to go to school. Even like in, in school, I didn't know what I wanted to be. Now, I didn't know what, what I wanted to major in. I was like, like I told you, I, I'm good with numbers. I'm good at math. I'll go to accounting. Started majoring in accounting. I was like, oh, I can't see myself doing accounting work for the next 20 or so years. You seem too social for that. Yeah, so I know, so that's what I thought. I was like, I can't sit behind a desk, work with numbers. All that. I was like, no, I like, so I went away from that. Right. But I didn't know what I wanted to do. Wouldn't change it over to communications. Communication is a lot better. But even with that, I was like, what can I do with my communications degree? I don't know what I can do with my communications degree. So even after graduating college, just jumping from job to job. And I knew that there was something more for me. Right. But I just didn't know what it was. I didn't know how to find it. And was kind of like sleepwalking my way through life and just kind of going with the flow. And again, here it comes up again, right? Telling myself, I'm in my 30s. I was like, I need to, how come I'm not further along than where I am now? I, I should be further along. I should be doing this. I should be doing that. I should be having this in place already. So struggling with that. You know, my, my marriage was not good at that time, right? I had my kids, you know, my kids were, I, I was on the brink of like losing my relationship, my wife and my relationship, my kids, because if we would have split up, the kids would have been split up however away, right? I wasn't going to be, be around them 100% of the time. And that's when it really hit me. And I was like, oh my gosh, I need to keep searching and digging. And I fell upon coaching. It wasn't like I was seeking out coaching because at that time, I didn't know much about the coaching industry, but I was telling myself, coaching is for people who are in crisis mode, people who need super help, people who are stuck where they're at, right? I was, and telling myself, oh, that's not me. That's not who I am. I got things figured out. I know better. And it wasn't until I was at a live event. My wife and I went to a live event together. We sat apart because we said we were going to share with other strangers and, and meet other people. I shared within this small group and just shared openly and didn't put any judgment to what I was sharing. And then after sharing, a group of five or six of us, one lady pulled me aside and said, Elliot, I just want to tell you that you're the most inspirational person in this room. Out of thousands of people, right? Coaches, authors, speakers, you name it, people were there. And I was like, 
telling myself, who, me? Like, out of all these people, <laughs> you're telling me that I'm the most interested. I was like, and I just asked her, I was like, why? She's like, you were authentic, you shared openly, and you just being yourself. And here I was telling you, kind of like a, I kind of like, I, I like to have a sense of humor when I talk, right? So I was sharing my a sappy story about, uh, a sad story about my mom and my dad and uh, my upbringing, but put some humor in it, right? And she was just like, in all of what I shared, and I was like, wow, out of all these people, she thought I was the most inspirational person. So she was my champion. She was the one who helped push me over the edge of to get into coaching because at this live event, the person running the live event offered a coaching program. I was like, boom, signing up for that, right? Taking on that and I'll do that. But even when I did that, I still had that fear, right? I had the fear of, not knowing what's going to happen next. Cause I didn't know much about the coaching industry, fear of a success, uh, fear of, Oh my gosh, what if this is what I wanted to do? How hey, would I, Elliot, nope, you said, go ahead. Fear, you, you said fear of success. Yes. That's, Can you elaborate on that for, yes. for me? Cause then now I, w- I would have to make that commitment right to myself and committing to helping others. And I was like, can I do that? Can I, and if I do do that, will I lose the people that I've known in my life, right? Am I going to leave people behind? Mm. So I was like, oh my gosh, can I, is this really what I want to do? And I I was telling myself, this is what I want to do. And then I questioned it again saying, is this what I want to do? And then that was on day two. So on day three, I didn't want to get out of bed. I was in the hotel room. I'm not going to go to back to the live event. So you're scared. Were you, you were scared? Okay. Totally. Because again, going back to the commitment, if I would have ended up back at the live event, I would have to commit myself to the coaching because that's what I wanted to do. Oh, so you I knew. In, yes. <laughs> I was in the fetal <laughs> position, crying, like, oh my gosh, like, this is what I want to do, but I don't want to do it because if I go there, I'm going to have to commit. And you're terrified. Totally. Luckily for me, I was able to find enough courage and strength to go to the live event. Back to the live event, immerse myself back into that environment. And so glad that I did because the energy was wild. Being around those other people again, that group of people was amazing. And that's when I made that commitment. No looking back, best investment that I've made in myself. Cause I was afraid, right? I was like, I'm not, I can't make this type of investment on myself. So Um, how did you do that though? Okay. Because you're scared, you're terrified, you're in the fetal position and you still find like what inside of you, or maybe what thought crossed your mind that you were able to get up and still just put one foot in front of the other and keep going with all of that fear. Yeah, even my wife there at that time, right? She's like, we need to get going because it's going to start. And she was even telling me that. That didn't even get me going. So I'm, I'm a music person. I like to listen to music, put on my headphones, kind of like tune everything else out and just be in the moment and mm-hmm. listening to the music. And somehow the lyrics spoke to me, right? Just like in that moment, I was listening to these lyrics and I was like, oh, just get up and get going. I just kind of started moving. So I slowly started getting dressed, 
and just telling myself, just, just kind of walk there and see what happens, right? Just kind of immerse yourself back into that environment and see what happens. Mm-hmm. So luckily that I did go, because here I am now, right? As well as I, I want to be where I am now. So I'm super glad that I did go and no looking back. And I just love what I get to do and love what I get to share uh, yeah. with people. Yeah. Well, Elliot, I am really grateful to hear your story and for you to really walk through the emotions of the tough things. And even when you were at the, that, in that pit of despair and you're terrified and you're knowing which way you want to go in your life, but you're still scared to death and how you managed to, to keep going. I think that that's, that's a gift to give that, that you are able to give others in letting no, them know. Yeah, you. it is scary. Thank you. It is scary, but we don't need to know everything that's going to happen on the other side. Right. It's yeah. like, you don't need to know what's going to happen. If, if you truly feel like this is the right move for you, take action. And if that action doesn't result, it doesn't end up in the result you like or you want, then fix it. Right. We could change yeah. it, adjust it, learn from it and then pick up and go. Right. But then the key is just to keep moving. Right. And it might be baby steps. It might be A to B to C. And then you might see a, a bigger jump from like C to like G or L or something like that. But every step's not going to go A to M to Z. No. Right. Just like when we read books, it goes chapter one, two, three, four, all the way ever how long. Right? We don't skip from chapter one and read chapter 10 and read chapter 15 and then done. Right. So sometimes this takes baby steps and, and those yeah. gradual steps and just keep moving. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I I love your story. I really do. I think it's absolutely amazing. Well, when I read your the title of your podcast, I was like, yes, I am relatively damaged, but <laughs> I'm not, you know, that doesn't define who I am, right? And I, I wanted to come on share and let people know, hey, you're not alone in your journey or your struggle or your challenge. There's someone else out there that is going through what you're going through and you can lean on them and find that group of people, your team, so that you can have that support because we all need that extra support. We all need that extra push. Cause I, I can say I'm a coach, but I'm still a hot mess. I have, I don't have everything figured out. Right. But recognizing it quicker, right. Finding habits so yeah. that you can recognize it quicker. So yeah. you can don't go down that deep hole. Yeah. Because aren't we all relatively damaged? <laughs> yes, we are. I totally agree with that. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this week's episode of relatively damaged by damaged parents. We really enjoyed talking to Elliot Vang about how he found his value and his purpose, which changed his life by simply speaking his truth and finding the courage to follow through. We especially liked when he acknowledged he's relatively damaged too. To unite with other damaged people, connect with us on Instagram. Look for Damaged Parents. This podcast was sponsored in part by Arches Audio. We'll be here next week, still relatively damaged. See you then.